time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here and this is episode number 23 of our podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. Every day and kiss them too, don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? This is delicious coconut. Yeah. I mean, we're thinking about summer already. Here we go. Coconut (laughs) coffee. It's good. If you are a fan of great coffee, scrumptious scones, and cookies, and you're local, head on over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Here we are. Here we are. Episode number 23. Can you believe it? 23? No, they went by really quickly. We've been talking for 23 episodes. (laughs) We've been talking for 40 years, man. This is true. Yeah. We've been talking a lot more than 23 episodes. We do occasionally run out of things to say. Never. No, occasionally, but not often. (laughs) Never. (laughs) We always have things to say. So what have you been up to besides us working together all the time? I'm still working on our various runs and working on the outside, like working on the gardens. Yeah. I'm about to put in new plants in the little garden that goes along the sidewalk to my front door. Oh, yeah. That's going to look cute. Yeah, some cottagey stuff and contemplating building another coop. Oh, boy. Yeah. I said this to Pete and I didn't get much of a reaction. Well, we know that Joe told me he's going to build me a coop, so. Yeah, that's exciting. You're going to have another coop. I'm going to have another coop. Got to fill it. Got to fill it. (laughs) Yeah, so that's good. You've been working on gardens. I've been Uh trying to weed. Man, I'm telling you, I think in the spring, the weeds grow more than anything sometimes. Yeah, we were putting a big garden in our backyard, and we still are going to do the big garden in the backyard. Yeah. But the front is neglected, and I feel like I'm going to work from the front backwards. Oh, yeah, that'll look really good. Yeah. Aren't you working on berry, planting berries, too? Yeah, that's the big garden that's going right in the front of the house, sort of between the driveway and the sheep field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That'll be good. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to work on that one. They'll be trying to eat those berries every day. We're going to put the garden in so that they don't have as much clearance. I mean, one of the reasons, yeah. one of the things that inspired me to do the berry garden is that Phoebe will stand on her hind legs and lean forward and bend the fence to the point where she can eat the holly. <laughs> I know. And it's not a big deal when there are no berries on it, but the berries are poisonous. The other day I saw her get on her back legs to get a maple leaf. Yes. Pete calls her the mini giraffe. <laughs> yeah. she is people never knew sheep could climb that way yeah so we're going to be doing some run work over here too yeah new roof on the older girls run Uh that's going to be fun and just kind of sprucing up and weeding like crazy like i said weeds go away we don't want (laughs) it takes so much time and then your hands hurt i go through so many garden gloves i go through gloves a lot too yeah and it's only one hand that gets the holes that's true. It, yes. <laughs> Two fingers. Yep, yep. It's very true. And then I'm like, we have brick walkways at our house. So they grow weeds in between the brick yes. bricks. Yes. Yes, they do. I'm like, weeds, can you just stay in the garden? Yeah. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> it never works that way. It never works that way. So what else do you have on the horizons? Just doing some more research on the Hog Island Sheep book. Nice. And I kind of got sucked in a little bit to the early American chickens. Oh, yeah. And I was looking for the answers to some questions. Just on a whim, I decided to look in this book. It is a book on early African-American cooking. Right. I just had a hunch that I might find some of the answers to the chicken questions I had. And sure enough, 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I found some breeds in there that I've been searching for. I remember the other day you were talking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's good on the research front. Oh, yeah, definitely. You are always researching. Thank goodness for that. That's what I do. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> so before we move on, let me just take a minute to tell you about Iowa Blue Farm. It's a woman-owned, family-run, all-natural chicken tree company in the Midwest, and they make 100% all-American oven-dried black soldier fly grubs for all types of poultry. Essentially everything but geese. Yes. There's chicken. Ducks. Turkeys. Peacocks. Oh, you used my peacocks. I did. Doves. Pheasants. Guineas. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for a week. Quail. <laughs> I was waiting oh, for I a week. That. To bring that, to bring out. that in, uh huh. <laughs> I'm quail. like, come on. I'm still, I'm still putting a quail on top. <laughs> quail. <laughs> Man. Oh, you got me. So high in calcium and protein, your chickens will come running for this blue bag. And I mean, they love these grubs. They love these grubs. This time of year, eggs, great for it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a first time buyer or not, and you head on over to iowabluefarm.com. You can put in coffee, all caps, 25 for your first purchase and receive 25% off site-wide. That's a great deal. So it's a great time to check them out. They're baked with love. Shipped with care. And shipping is always always free. free. Okay, so this is Mother's Day week. It sure is. Great week. One of my favorite days because it's the only day of the year that I can ask someone in this household to do something and they can't say no. (laughs) (laughs) That's good criteria. I love it. Yeah, that's good. It's Mother's Day. Uh-huh. You can't, you, you gotta do it. So it's Mother's Day week, May, yay, spring, mm-hmm. and we're gonna move into our da 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 breathe spotlight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this week we're talking about the Buckeye, a really big, handsome chicken it right up a, our alley. It's a big chicken. It's a big chicken. Very pretty. The Buckeye is an American breed developed in Ohio. Oh. Hey, while we're talking about Ohio, we want to give a big shout out. We have a lot, a lot of listeners. We really do. In the Ohio area. And we want to say hey to everybody Mm -hmm. and thank you for listening. Yeah. All parts of Ohio, we have a lot of listeners. I know. Our Ohio numbers are crazy high. I think sometimes they're the big, they're our highest state on certain episodes. Yeah. We want to say hey and thank you. Thank you. So back to uh, Buckeyes. Yeah. Again, Buckeyes are big, very handsome, dark mahogany red chickens. They are. They remind me of the speckled Sussex colors. That dark bay red. It's really pretty. Yeah, it's really pretty. So they were the first breed in the United States developed by a woman. Yay, hands up, hands <laughs> up. Mrs. Nettie Metcalf. And she started with the foundation breeds of a buff coachin and barred rock. Okay. And to their offspring, she bred, get ready for this one, black-breasted red old English game fowl. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what you have is the buckeye. And they became pretty popular early on. They were shown, they were admitted to the American Poultry Association Standards of Perfection in 1904. So it hasn't been around, like, this isn't one of those chickens brought by the Romans. No, no, definitely not. It hasn't been around for a long, long time, but 1904. And the big thing that we're putting out there developed by a woman. That's right. First chicken. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And they're just really, as well as being pretty, they're very practical chickens. A yeah. dual-purpose breed. They are heavyweights, as we said. Right. Roosters are supposed to average about nine pounds. Okay. And hens are like six, six and a half, seven, somewhere in that. Like around the Orpington size. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. They're quite winter-hardy. They have that heavy body mass. 
they have the really tight featherings that you see on some of the American breeds. Okay. And they have that little pea comb and waddles. So you're good in the winter if you're in a cold place. And a funny little fact about that pea comb, the Buckeye is the only American breed that has a pea comb. Oh, really? Yeah, that's kind of neat. Wait a minute. What about the Dominique? The Dominique has a rose comb. Oh, the rose comb. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. I'm showing that I didn't know the comb there. That's not good. You know it. You just weren't thinking. I wasn't. I was like, oh, I want to find one. <laughs> the hens are very good layers of brown eggs, sometimes three or even four a week. I was reading 200 a year. Yeah. Which is amazing. It's yeah. a really good breed. You it know, is. egg-laying one. And they sometimes go broody. I don't, they're not known as a big broody breed, but they yeah. do sometimes go broody. Like we said, the bigger chickens. Yeah. Good they centers. tend to go broody. Mm-hmm. Well, if one of the foundation breeds was Cochin, Cochins will go birdie for you. They have a reputation for being very active, excellent foragers. Okay, that's good. But quite friendly with both other chickens and people. So this is one thing to remember. Like when we do breed spotlights, we talk about let's let's look at personality. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how they're going to fit into a flock. Right. This chicken probably would do really well integrating into an existing flock. Yeah, for a mixed flock, yeah. We think that they would all around make excellent backyard or hobby farm oh, yeah. homestead chickens for a bunch of reasons. And they have a good reputation with kids, yeah. so they're mm-hmm. definitely I mean, a good backyard al- breed. Yes. As always, I would watch a kid around a rooster. Oh, as always. always. But yeah, all indications say that they're just really nice chickens. Oh, yeah. I actually walked into the mill this year to get food one of the five mm-hmm. million days I'm in the mill. Right. And they had Buckeyes in yeah, there. Yeah, I saw them at my I branch of the mill, too. I was kind of tempted. I was tempted, too. I was like, oh, they could go right in the brooder, but I already have six in the brooder. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, like so many heritage breeds, the Buckeyes fell out of favor during the 20th century, you know, when the growth Shocker. of industrial farms, right? By the end of the 2000s, they'd landed on the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list in the critically endangered category. Wow, so they're making a comeback. Yeah. In 2005, the Livestock Conservancy launched a Buckeye breed recovery program. Okay. It was highly successful. They raised the numbers of the breeding Buckeyes in the U.S., and they managed to bring them back towards the standards of perfection in size and confirmation. This is good. They brought them back mm-hmm. to the right standard of perfection, right size, right, right everything. So that's perfect. Yeah, and that's where the Livestock Conservancy was really instrumental in this. The farms who were hatching and choosing the breeding stock, they worked with them and trained them right. how to recognize the really good uh, confirmation and standards. So the Buckeyes are now on the Livestock Conservancy's watch list. Okay, that's better than endangered. Yeah, so they came up two categories. They're much easier to find. Like we said, we saw them in our local I farm store. I saw them this year. Yeah, yeah, farm supply store. If you're interested in breeding stock, we suggest you check the Livestock Conservancy's breeder directory. Yeah, that's always a good place to start. The American Buckeye Club also has a breeder's directory. You can check their website. Right. We do have a link in the show notes. And Sand Hill Preservation Center is always a good one. They do maintain a Buckeye flock. Now, they're sold out for 2021. That just shows that they're coming back. Exactly. And some of the hatcheries carry pet quality birds, including my pet chicken. Okay. So if you're just looking for a couple to try on your flock, that's probably a good way to go. Oh, yeah. So again, the Buckeye sounds to us like a really, really nice chicken. It does. And you know what? We're going to be talking to Ellen of Fab Four Chicken soon Mm -hmm. about her Buckeye, Winnie. Winnie, that's right. She's out in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. When we started talking to her, we were like, this is going to be great. Absolutely. And she loves Winnie. Yeah. So we're going to be talking to her in a little while. That's fantastic. Before we do that, we're going to move on to our main topic. Chicken safe gardens. This is that time of year. Mm -hmm. We all get the garden fever, the garden bug. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, you got to go to like the supply store, get all your plants. Yes. You got to get all the weeds out first, of course. Right. And we're looking for flowers and things that are safe for our chickens. Yeah. So chicken safe gardens, we mean in two ways. Yeah. So garden plants that are safe for your chickens to eat. Correct. And also how to keep your plants safe from marauding chickens. Oh, yes. <laughs> so if you want to have a garden for your chickens, mm-hmm. it might keep them away from your regular garden. Maybe. when I tell these stories all the time. When my sister and I first got chickens, okay, chickens were just starting to become popular. And you'd see them in some of the, like the Home and Garden magazines. Oh, yeah. Some of them with their beautiful chickens in the garden. So we thought we were going to do this. <laughs> yeah. They really did maraud the whole garden. Oh, my gosh. They yeah. They eat green tomato. They ate everything. Yeah. The icing on the cake, though, was we had this gorgeous partridge coach and rooster, standard size. Okay. Mr. Darcy. He was just beautiful. We all loved him. Sweet as rooster. Well, he discovered mom's sweet potato patch. <laughs> And, you know, we thought they were just digging the dirt. We didn't realize he was actually digging up sweet potatoes and gouging chunks. Oh, yeah. He was like, these are great. You thought they were delicious, right? I'm just going to bite these right now and eat them. So between Mr. Darcy and the sweet potatoes and the chickens destroying the tomato patch, we realized quickly (laughs) that it's a nice magazine photo, but no. You know where chickens and gardens are good is before you plant, they're great tillers. Yes. So they're naturally always scratching. Yeah. They're always turning that soil over. They turn it over, loosen it, aerate it. It's fantastic. It's great. So before you even plant, if you're starting a garden, mm-hmm. let them in there yeah. to, to turn it all over for you. I would say not a perennial garden. Like no. I, I'm not going to let chickens in the rhubarb and strawberry beds. No. I'm saying if, if you're starting a new garden. If you garden, have a fallow bed that you're looking to replant, yeah, absolutely. exactly. And if they poop in there, more the better. Yeah. So what we do for our gardens every year is we take that top layer off our run floor because uh-huh. it builds up. Yes. And we take, I don't know, six to eight inches off. Okay. And we use it in all of our gardens perfect. every spring. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, to help fertilize everything. I actually have some of that in a wheelbarrow right now waiting to go in the berry garden. Oh, yeah. yeah it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. It's uh, They're always helping you with your garden. Mm-hmm. So what do you plant? I grow tons of greens. Okay. For us and for the chickens. Okay. Red Russian kale is one of my absolute favorites. Okay. I love it as baby kale and the chickens love it as baby kale. And it's very cut and come again. Right. So if you don't take huge amounts of it, it will last the whole season for you. Some of my other favorites are curly cress and pepper cress. Okay. They grow really quickly. Delicious. Chickens love them. Yeah. And they grow really well with eggs. Oh, yeah. Nasturtiums are another favorite. I grow lots of nasturtiums. Mm-hmm. They're one of my favorite flowers. The greens are fantastic. They make a really good pesto and the chickens will devour them. Oh, yeah. They love them. So... If I don't have any greens to give them and I can't free range them that day, I'll cut some hunks of nasturtium greens and throw them right in there. Oh, yeah. The berry garden, they, they cannot get any of the rhubarb, but strawberry tops, Oh I, yeah, I'll, I'll chop them up and give them. Back over on my family's farm, I would pick mulberries for them. Oh, yeah. All around the mulberry bush. All around the mulberry bush. And there was a mulberry tree nearby that they would get under and I would just shake it. But the mulberries come flying down. They love it. My neighbor has a mulberry tree. And you know about the story. Yes, I do. (laughs) I have to share it because it's kind of funny. It's it's a good story. So my neighbors are a little older behind me, like where the chickens are. And we talk to them. We try to help them as much as possible. And they do a lot of gardening. And they have a mulberry tree. And honestly, I had never had mulberries before, okay? So I'm sitting there talking. And I'm like, she's picking all the mulberries And she has a big bowl of them. And I go out and talk to her. And she's like, would you like a mulberry? And I'm like, yes, definitely. So I eat the mulberry. And I'm like, do you love these mulberries? And she's like, I've never had them before. (laughs) (laughs) Can I eat a mulberry? (laughs) 
is it poisonous? And I'm she's a good neighbor. You're the just, guinea pig. She just watched me eat it, and I'm like, oh, please. I hope I like came in and Googled right away. They do taste really good. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. But then I didn't know, like, you know, if it's one of those berries that you can't eat. Right. So it's, it was good to know that, yes, I can eat them. But she was picking them like she eats them all the time. Yeah. Maybe yeah. she was going to try them too. Maybe. So, yeah. You know what I like to do for the chicken gardens are marigolds. Yep. I am like that simple person mm-hmm. that have that little garden that is right in front of the big girl run. Yep. And I want to do more gardens around the little girl run, but that one just went up last year. You do some herbs in there too. I do herbs too, but I know you have some nice herbs back in that. Yeah, I do marigolds because I feed them the marigolds every day. Uh-huh. I pick a few and then they, they flowered all summer long. Yeah, they're one of those flowers that as you're constantly cutting and deadheading, they just send more blooms. Until the, until the first freeze. Right. And, and then that done. killed them. Yep. So I use those from like April all the way until November. Mm-hmm. And they loved them. They ate them. Yeah. And I do marigolds and herbs. Uh Uh-huh. So I did a new herb, which was citrus balm. Nice. So it's just like lemon balm, but it's orange, so they can eat it. They love it. Oh, I bet that smells amazing. It came back. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, you get it again this year. Yep. And I always try to do basil and lavender and rosemary to try Uh to keep the bugs down a little bit naturally. And this year I'm going to try mint all around the run. We do a ton of mint. I love mint. You use a lot of it. Cut it a lot because it it sends out runners and goes everywhere. One of the things I learned about mint one season when I was lazy with my weeding and deadheading, etc. Is that if you let it bloom, it attracts tons of butterflies. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. We do a lot of thyme because I love to use it in cooking. Me too. And oregano. Yep. All and of rosemary. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. So the herbs are really healthy for them. Oregano is very, very healthy for yeah. them. And I just pick off the top every day, threw some in there. Yep. So they get some greens and then it re-sprouted. I was thinking this year, I was like, when I do all this mint, Everybody's going to be eating the eggs, going, the eggs have a minty aftertaste. I've never tasted the mint in the <laughs> eggs. I've never tasted it. You're probably safe. I think that most herbs, most greens that we can eat, the chickens can eat too, yeah. with a few exceptions. I think too much spinach is not the good The oxalic for them. acid in spinach isn't great, so they can have it in small amounts. Yeah, yeah. in little amounts. But kale, kale is a superfood for us. It's a superfood for them. Yeah, it's great. Cabbage is a good food for them. I mean, anything, we want to try to keep them healthy, healthy yeah. snacks. Right. And they don't know any different. So if we grow some oh, yeah. stuff for them to eat. Yep. And if you want to have flowers that really aren't on the safe list. Which is both of us because we love cottage gardeny flowers. Right. You keep them up towards your house. Away from where your chickens will be. Away from where your chickens will be. When we bought our house, it came with a gigantic azalea garden. Oh, wow. Which is, is that's where. That's on the list. Right. And that's fenced off to be our back, our, yeah. our dog yard and our back garden. And it had to be fenced away from the chickens, but also the sheep. Anything in the azalea rhododendron family is really poisonous to pretty much everyone. Yeah, and I have big rhododendrons and foxgloves, another one that I have up near the house. The chickens never go near there ever. Digitalis, yeah. Yeah, so it's like just keeping those things. It's not to say that you can't have them. It's just saying, hey, keep them away from the chickens so the chickens can't get to them. Whether that's a fence or netting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't let them come up towards it. They're probably like, I always want to go there. <laughs> There's nothing tasty up here, chickens, no. No, you can't have it. Well, that's why things like marigolds, nasturtiums, some of the other edibles are so good to have near yeah, your Yeah, just have them right near where they are. Yeah. And that way it's easy when you're walking back there just to snip some with your fingers, throw them in. That's true. They ate the basil like crazy. Yeah. 
And well, why not? It's delicious. It is. And it also works to keep, naturally keep some insects away. Like flies. Yeah, some natural It's not going to keep them away mm-hmm. 100%, but it can work a little bit. One of the other lessons I learned about chickens in the flower gardens early on was not only are some of those flowers poisonous, but the chickens will destroy them and not necessarily by eating them. No, they dig up. They'll dig up, right. They love, okay, so one of the fun things about watching a chicken is that they never stop moving. Absolutely. And they dig and turn everything over. Yes. And they'll dig your flowers up by the roots. Yeah. They'll be like, hey, look at that peony. (laughs) Yay! By the way, peonies are my absolute favorite flower of all time. They're in my top five, too. They're my top number one. Mm -hmm. I think they're kind of tied with garden roses for me. Yeah, I think peonies are even more, they're definitely more. And I think it's just instilled in me. My grandmother loved, my mom's mom loved, loved, loved peonies and had them all around her house. Nice. They bloom for so many years. Oh, they're amazing. But yeah, you don't want your chicken up here saying, oh, look at this beautiful peony. Delicious. Here you go. Dig it right out. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and keeping them safe and keeping your gardens beautiful. Right. You were talking about you can put, even just using chicken wire. Yeah, you can make kind of wire cages to go over top of your beds. Oh, yeah. Um, You can buy them, too. Yeah. Like a framework that has netting that goes over it. Oh, yeah. Just ways to keep the chickens away from things that either aren't good for them or that you don't want them to dig up. Yeah, you know what else could work too is channel through so that oh, make a that's channel. True. Yeah, so the that, channels. Yeah, so that they can walk through but not really get to yeah. the plants. And like you said, just covering them with wire, with netting, mm-hmm. anything to stop them. In our neighborhood, we have a huge deer population. So we have yeah. to do that anyway. Yeah, we have to fence everything too for oh the same goodness. reason. I wake up this one morning, I had these petunias that were doing so beautifully. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I come out. It's a little raised bed. Big chomps taken out. Oh, that's so irritating. <laughs> and I was like, dear, you're cute, but stop eating my yeah, flowers. that's so irritating. So the other thing we wanted to bring up was dandelions. Yeah, yeah, like natural things that might grow in your, your lawn. That are safe for them. Right. Dandelion greens are fantastic. That's actually really good, almost like superfood chicken ones. Yes. Do you know what the invasive garlic mustard is? I don't. Well, remember that green that I put in oh, the yeah. I made for us the other day? Yeah. That is garlic mustard. It's very invasive plant. Yeah. But it's actually delicious. It makes some of the best pesto, and chickens love it. It was really good in the eggs. Yeah, so you can pull it up. It's sheller roots. Okay. So you can pull it up really easily. Right. And just throw the whole plant in with your chickens. Nice. They, yeah, they go crazy for it. Our Egyptian Fayumis love wild violets, both the wow. flowers and the greens. That's nice. Well, we've made sugar violets right? with egg white, yes. and they're, they're delicious, but those girls, they deflowered a whole violet patch in the flash <laughs> of an eye. And they're only six weeks. <laughs> I know. Aren't they the most beautiful birds? They're really pretty. They're just beautiful. They're very, very pretty. Anyway, as an aside. Pete was cracking me up, though, and he was like, they'll peck you in the hand when you pick they them up. They will peck you in the hand. They will. <laughs> they're kind of half wild things. <laughs> <They're> We're <laughs> still trying to win them over. <laughs> But even if we never win them over, just be able to watch them because they're so gorgeous. Oh, they're very pretty. Yeah. So having a garden, enjoying it, having your chickens enjoy their garden Mm -hmm. and making one for them. We're going to have these on our show notes, correct? Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes. The things that are safe and not safe. Exactly. And honestly, for me, the best part of the chicken garden is growing the greens and herbs that I can share with them. Oh, yeah. I love that part of it. Yeah, the herbs. I grow so many herbs. I love just going out and cutting them and throwing them in every yep. single day. feel like I'm giving them healthy stuff. But my one of my favorite things to grow are the marigolds. Yeah. And there are so many varieties. I you can get some beautiful marigolds. Oh, yeah. I was like to the point last summer where I was just taking the flower itself and kind of mushing it and just uh-huh. throwing it in petal-wise. Yeah. And they, 
They ate it up every time. Yeah, why not? They love these marigolds, and my yolks were so golden. <laughs> I bet they were. I'm like, this is great. I love it. They have antioxidants in them that are good for the chickens. Mm-hmm. So once again, we'll have these lists on our show notes. Yes. So that you can check out what's safe, what's not. And I think we're kind of ready to move on to... Cracking the eggs. We're going to do a Mother's Day recipe this week. Because, again, it's Mother's Day week. Yes. Yay! Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I think I'm going to have Joe and the girls make me this. Wow. Well, (laughs) the beauty of this recipe... So our recipe this week is strawberry baked French toast. Yummy! It's delicious. And, again, we'll have all the ingredients to make it gluten and dairy-free if you need to go that way. Yes. This is an easy one because you can make it the night before. It has to sit in the refrigerator overnight. I always make my baked French toast overnight. Yep. And then just get it done. And in the morning, just stick it in the oven. Exactly. It's so much, so it's much easier. super easy. It's best with like a loaf of Italian bread. That's what I've done. And you want it a little stale. Yes. That'll help absorb the custard base. And it also helps the outside of the bread to get sort of brown and crispy while the inside is all creamy and custardy. Oh, yeah. So good. And you're going to use a good amount of eggs for this recipe, which is great. Yeah, you're going to use half a dozen eggs. Yeah, so this is at egg time of the year. Mm -hmm. You're looking for a way to use them. Half a dozen, here you go. Yeah. Right in breakfast, make it the night before. It's fresh strawberries. Yes, which I like that you stick the strawberries in before the custard. Yeah, yeah. You put the bread in, you you put the strawberries on top and all around them, and then you carefully pour the custard in. Because it's baked in there. Yes, and you let it soak and it all kind of melds together. Yeah, and you could even use like a butter with strawberry in it in the morning. Yeah, you could actually. Like some mashed strawberry in your butter. We usually serve this with a little bit of maple syrup or powdered sugar, but you could absolutely do a fruit butter. And I think the recipe will work with other soft fruits like peaches or blueberries. Oh, yeah. It's delicious. You have some versatility there. Oh, definitely. Perfect for Mother's Day morning. Yep. The other good thing is granola would be great on it. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's a nice With the fruit, like fruit and granola kind of. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you can do to make this your own. That's a good idea. Yeah, and the powdered sugar, I never have French toast without powdered sugar. I know, we don't. We grew up with it, so yeah. It's like everybody and the it's girls. staple. The girls look at me, they're like, do you have to have powdered sugar? But now Sophia's like, where's the powdered sugar? I put a, one of those little powdered sugar sifters on oh, my yeah. wedding registry, specifically so I would have it for doing French toast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes the French toast. It does. That's so for pretty. Sure. It looks good. Yeah. Definitely in pictures. So this is another actually really easy recipe that looks a lot fancier than it is. Uses a lot of those spring eggs that the girls have been giving you. Serves a lot of people. Serves a lot of people. And it's just amazingly delicious and pretty. Here's the other thing, too. On the East Coast, strawberries are going to be in season in June. Yeah. So next month, you're going to have a bunch of strawberries. I already have strawberries on some of my plants. They're not ripe yet, but they're definitely growing. And this is a good way to throw them in Mm -hmm. and bake them in the French toast. Yeah. I love this recipe because I love French toast. Me too. You can't go wrong. No. French toast and strawberries. Yeah. It's I'm hungry again. I'm starving again. (laughs) (laughs) So message us. Let us know what you're going to do for a French, for a French toast. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for French toast. We're going to do and for, for Mother's toast. Day. Yes. Let us know what kind of Mother's Day plans you have. Let us see your Mother's Day French toast. Have your husband and your kids make it for you. Yeah. I'm going to have mine. I was wondering if you could do, if you didn't have fresh strawberries and you wanted to make this say in the dead of winter, could you just use like strawberry jam? Oh, yeah. Definitely. That might be good. But you can get strawberries in our area all year round. Yeah. Because they ship them in. Yes. 
So this would be a good one in the dead of winter when it's freezing and you want to feel like a little... Yeah, it's not quite the same as those delicious, super good smelling fresh, fresh strawberries. Oh, but, yeah. you know, you can make it work in a pinch. Oh, definitely. Okay, so now it's time for retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. So today on Retail Therapy, we are going to welcome Ellen from the handle fab 4 Hens on Instagram, as we all know her. She collects something that you and I both love. Yes. Vintage hens on nest dishes. Oh, my God. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to learn a little bit more about Ellen. She has that fabulous Buckeye, Winnie. Winnie the Buckeye. Yay. Let us play the interview that we did with Ellen fab 4 Hens from Instagram. Hey, Ellen, how are you doing? Hi. Hi, girls. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. It's our pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for joining us. We wanted to just start with talking about Buckeyes Mm because we love that breed. And for many reasons, number one, the only breed in the U.S. developed by a woman. Yes. So you have one Buckeye currently, Ellen? I do. I have a smaller flock and uh, my Buckeye's named is Winnie for Winifred. Oh, my, that's cute. My son named her. Okay. So I shortened her name. And how I got her was about two years ago, I was adding a couple hens to my flock. And I have some girls that are very timid. And okay. I wanted a red girl, but I know like Rhode Island reds can tend to be more fierce and aggressive in the flock. So a good friend of mine on Instagram had a Buckeye and I was asking her, what breeds do you suggest that, you know, somebody that would be, you know, just kind of quieter, docile, that would fit in with my flock. And she said, well, I have a Buckeye, and they are perfect in that regard. So I said, okay. So I got her as a pullet um, locally from a local breeder. Okay. And she is such a sweetheart. So she's a cuddle chicken? Oh, yes. And she's a big girl. Like when she runs, she looks like this big fat dinosaur. Her little legs are going. Boom, okay. Boom, boom. And, so and she's one of your huggable ones. Like you can hug her every day. Definitely. She's definitely docile. And the greatest thing was, you know, I have some salmon favorels and they're very timid and on the lower end of the pecking order. So I wanted to make sure they were protected from a maybe more aggressive hen. Sure. And she has fit in beautifully. Nice. Um, she is not aggressive and she just goes with the flow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. And she lays eggs pretty well for you. Is she a good layer? She is. And they're kind of a beautiful medium brown color. And the one thing to know about Buckeyes, you may have already covered this, is that they do like to forage. Right. So right. They're not very good in confinement. And luckily my setup is where, you know, I'm in a neighborhood, but I have a big backyard and it leads into some woods, which I have fenced off. And so she gets to run around all day long and, and she's very happy. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. How many chickens do you have in all? I have seven, which is the most I've ever had because the size of my coop and the area, you know, I, it's, I think it's saving me from myself being in a small place Yes, because otherwise I would be in big trouble with. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Us too. I mean, every year and get those babies. It's, it's so (gasps) tempting. Yes. I know. Yes. So Holly Ann and I got salmon favorals Mm -hmm. uh, this year. So they're going to go into late our laid back flocks also to kind of try Mm -hmm. to protect them. So that's good. What Mm -hmm. is your favorite thing about Winnie? I think it really is. Well, I have so many sweet chickens, but she just has a sweetness about her okay. um, because she 
never is aggressive. And just, she's gorgeous. Oh my gosh. They really are beautiful chickens. The color is gorgeous. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think she's one of the most beautiful. I love red chickens, but she has these kind of dark tips on her tail feathers and her wings. They're really a gorgeous chicken. What's your favorite breed overall? Okay. I know you girls are going to ask that because I hear that on your other podcasts. Uh I don't think it's a fair question. It's It's like saying, which is my favorite son? (laughs) which I get that a lot from my sons. Who's the favorite mom? Don't ask me that. You know, they kind of fill a different place, but the salmon favorels are such characters. The barred rocks are so friendly. These are all the breeds I have. Mm -hmm. The Easter eggers, those green eggs. And one of mine's real sweet. The other is like a rooster. She's not friendly, but whatever. And then Orpingtons. They're so gentle and good with people and kids. So your so. favorite breed is every breed that you have. Yes. My <laughs> that's a fine answer. We totally get that. We get it. Totally get I it. I totally get it. Good, good. Thank you. So <laughs> what's the best thing about being a chicken keeper in the Pacific Northwest? You know, we have a very mild temperature. Yeah. So I have green grass all year long. Awesome. They must love it. Wow. Oh, And I really didn't notice that because I live here. So I just take it for granted. But I've had a couple of comments on my posts when my girls are out there nibbling the green grass in the winter. They're like, you still have grass? And then I went, yeah, yeah, I have it all year round. So that I think is a wonderful feature. In the winter, what's your coldest temperature that you get down to? Is it below freezing or still above freezing? We get maybe one snowfall a year if we get that. So, and that would put us below freezing, right. but really our temperatures are, you know, more like wintertime forties, maybe okay. high 30. Oh, that's pretty good. So that's comfortable mm-hmm. for them. Oh yes. Yes, definitely. Fantastic. That's awesome. So what would be the biggest challenge of chicken keeping in the Pacific Northwest? There's some predators that are really common, like okay. coyotes. Mm-hmm. coyotes. And okay. so they're a problem. And also because of all of the rain we get, which, you know, the Pacific Northwest is known for, uh, it can get very muddy. Yes. And so that can be an issue that needs to be dealt with. We feel that pain because the Mid-Atlantic can turn into an absolute mud pit. Oh, Oh, it can. Okay. Okay. So, you know. Mid-Atlantic has every type of weather that's out there. And then sometimes in the winter, it snows so much and then it melts and then it gets muddy. So you have spring mud. And then you have have winter mud. Winter mud and fall mud. We have mud all the time. And then summer, it's very humid. So we feel your pain. We were just talking in a past episode about a product called First Saturday Lime, Mm -hmm. which is very good when you have a lot of moisture. Mm -hmm. It's safe for all the animals. You just put it all in your run. And it dries oh. everything out. Yeah, it really helps with the muck problems. In yeah, the that mm-hmm. we're using in ours. So yeah. I'll tell you my tip is, um, and now again, I don't have a big coop and I don't have a big run and flock, but sand. I started with sand from the beginning. It doesn't get muddy. So my girls have one spot when it's really muddy to go where their feet aren't going to get all mucked up. Oh, so you put just the sand in a certain area in your run. It's in the entire run. And that seems to help with being wet and muddy and everything else. Oh, it does. And plus, they love to sand bathe. And it keeps the parasites down on their bodies. All right. We're going to get to the mad red hand, which is the hens on a nest. Hens on a nest dishes. There might be some people out there that aren't exactly sure 
what we're talking about when we talk about a hen on a nest dish. Right, right. So let me explain it just quickly to everyone. These are vintage dishes that were made back mid-century and even I think beforehand that are two-piece dishes that have the hen on top and the bottom piece is essentially the nest. Mm -hmm. And then in it is like a trinket box. Right. They're various sizes. So like sometimes they're trinket boxes. Sometimes they hold spices. The really big ones, I think people even kept eggs in. You know what? I have a set of hens that sit next to my stove that Mm -hmm. I use for pinches of salt and pepper. Those are those fantastic Hazel Atlas white pressed glass. Yes, they are. And I love looking at them when I cook and they're Mm -hmm. right there. So Ellen, you were talking about your favorite. Tell us again one more time about what your favorite one was. Yeah, it has to be my iridescent blue hen. She's about medium size dish, which I tend to go towards. Those are my favorites. Mm -hmm. And yeah, oh, just she shines, her lights just shimmer. Very beautiful. The blue ones are absolutely gorgeous. They're gorgeous. And Mm -hmm. there's like Holly was saying, they come in all different sizes, all different colors. Mm -hmm. And do you have anything special that you keep in your dishes or they're just displayed? They are displayed, but I have like three in my kitchen, different colors, various spots. And then I have some in a hutch and then one on my kitchen table. So, well, I have chickens all over my house, every form of chicken paraphernalia. Oh, I just love the glass covered hens on the nest. They're just beautiful. They're really fantastic. Every now and again, you come across a rooster on a nest. That is very rare. They're very rare. Yeah. I came across one last year and didn't buy it and really regret it. But fingers crossed. But we'll find more of them as we go. So here's the question. Where are you finding these dishes? Well, when I first started, I was trying to remember, I actually have found some really nice ones at garage sales. Okay. And I found a garage sale not far from my house in an adjacent neighborhood. And I think this guy goes to antique shows or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then he has a big garage sale. And so like for three years consecutively, I found my glass covered hands on dishes. And so like whenever he opens, I'm like right there (laughs) waiting to go in because he always has one. So that and then there's like eBay, you can maybe find some good deals on eBay. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the rooster on the dish. I've also got a couple turkeys. Oh, I've seen those yeah, before. The they're really are, cool they're too. too. Yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. I couldn't pass them up. So I do have some turkeys also. And like you said, for spices, I found a little one that holds salt. And I guess maybe they had them at the tables when they had guests and they'd have maybe a little hen with the salt right, right by everybody's plate, I believe Whoa. is how they used it. How cute is that? That's like my little yellow one that I have. Yeah. There's so many different sizes. They're so cool. So... What inspired you to start collecting these? I think because I've loved chickens all my life and thankfully now have been able to have chickens for 13 years. Mm -hmm. I saw one somewhere and absolutely fell in love with the beauty of it and the glass and the vintage and all the different colors. And that's how it started. I have noticed that as of late, these are, as chickens become more popular and every year they're becoming more and more popular and more of a standard in the home that things that were popular back when chickens were popular, let's say 60s, 70s and there are all coming back Yes, because 
let's just put it this way. You want to kind of have what you live. So if you keep chickens, you love chickens, you want your house to look like chickens. You know, when I first got chickens, so again, I've had chickens a little over 20 years now. I was really contrary. I had chickens and then we got the llamas and alpacas. And I was like, no, I'm not going to have chickens all over my house. And I'm not going to have llamas and alpacas all over my house. And then I guess 15 years in, I got over that. And now I don't think there's a surface in my house that does not have a chicken on it. It's what you have a passion for. Exactly. You know, you want to have your items that you have kind of inspire other people and show who you are. I love chickens. People who walk into my house and your house are going to be like, these people love some chickens. There's no doubt what's happening in there. So these little dishes are so quaint, all different sizes. Mm -hmm. We both collect them. Here's the thing that's interesting about Ellen. She has the value book. Yes, yes. So the value book is, it's literally a value book for hens on nests, and it's out of print and hard to get your hands on. How did you come across this book, Ellen? I didn't realize you told me how much it's worth now. And I'm like, wow, I think it was several years ago. I was like, I want to be able to read about my dishes. Mm-hmm. And right. I'm sure I found the book online possibly even Amazon. It was used, okay, but it was $68. And I thought, oh God, do I really want to spend that on this book? <laughs> it's a good thing you and, spent the $68 then. Yes. And now you said they're what, like $250 plus. $250 mm-hmm. for yeah. this book. It's been wonderful. And another thing about how you acquire these dishes is you let your friends and family know you love them. And so I've had a couple gifts of them. Yes. And it's oh, yeah. really sweet Instagram friend sent me totally as a surprise. One of them, it was her grandmother's. Oh, wow. I was so touched. She sent it to me. Mm -hmm. And because I'd never seen, it's like white with a little red comb. Oh, those are so Have you seen those? Since I didn't know anything about it, I was able to go to my book, find out exactly what it was, who made it, and so I really do love this book. So Holly Ann, when we buy new ones, you know what's going to happen. We're going to send Ellen a message. <laughs> yes. Look in your book. <laughs> I'll be your resource. I'm happy to do it. Can I send you a picture of a chicken on a nest and you tell me, send me a picture of the book? Because right now, $350 for that book. That's crazy. That's, that's a little, I know it is. A it's absolutely. a fine though that shows you how hot right. chickens are right now. Yes. Right. And as soon as a book is out of print, if a demand springs up for it, it's, yeah. you're done. It goes like, up in price. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we could touch base on is like, we always thrift. We yes. are sale and thrift. Mm-hmm. And I thrift, we both thrift for these dishes. So finding them in the wild is really a good thing yes. because you're going to get a much better deal because you will sometimes it's going to be super expensive to buy them other places because people will know the value of them. And right. It's a kind of getting lucky. I'll let you in on a little bit of a Holly and Chrissy secret. And that is that <laughs> if we're not together, everyone's always like, you guys have so much cute vintage stuff. Well, one, we've been collecting it for a long time, but number two, we will text the other one photos and say, do I want to spend X on this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> invariably the answer is almost always yes. You will regret it if you don't. Exactly. Um, And so we're just going to have to pull you into that, Ellen. Yeah. We're just going to start texting you photos of our chickens. Do I really want to buy this plate? (laughs) For X amount of dollars. We will not do that to you. I promise. I will. Oh no. I'm happy to help you. Anything with chickens. I am there. (laughs) You know, it's a thing. Like we have met so many nice people via Instagram that love chickens as much as we do. That's Mm -hmm. how we met Ellen. And we all share a common bond, a love for this intelligent, cuddly animal that gives you breakfast. Even if it's not cuddly, I still love it. 
I love them all, whatever. So you said you found the value book on Amazon. We're going to be another good hit is to look in vintage bookstores Mm -hmm. or even Mm -hmm. thrift stores because people don't realize what they have. Yes. And then basically they give it away to like a thrift store and you're coming in and the thrift store is like 50 cents. I'd be like, oh yeah. That's possible. That has been an eye out for it. it. Mm -hmm. Excellent idea. Excellent. I love thrifting. It's like a treasure hunt of anything chicken. It really is. <laughs> oh, it's the best. And I I love your phrase, find it in the wild. That is so perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I collect Pyrex also. Pyrex goes back to the 40s. And basically, you can find it in various spots. But people that collect Pyrex, they say in the wild. In the wild. <laughs> and basically, that covers like thrift stores, yard sales, all mm-hmm. different kinds of places that aren't eBay. Any or place, place, right, that's not a dealer that actually knows it's true value. Store, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's been so much fun talking with you. Oh, thank you. This has been such a treat. Anytime I get to meet my chicken sisters, it's just <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Likewise. Likewise, likewise. And you can see Ellen on Instagram. She is fat for hens. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't given her a follow, definitely. And if you're listening and you have some really good vintage hens on a nest, put some Instagram photos up. We would all love to see them. We want to see them. Okay, Ellen. So we will see you soon. Talk to you later. Thank you so much. See you on Instagram. Thank you. Bye. 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 Ellen, thank you so much again for coming on and talking with us. Those hens on the nest dishes are gorgeous. And it was so great to get to talk to you and get to know you. Thank you so much. Holly Ann, what do we have coming up for next week? Next week, a lot of great stuff. Our breed spotlight is the Scots Dumpy. Are you trying to get me with these chicken names here? Scots Dumpy. Yep. <laughs> Our main topic is pullet integration. We're going to be doing sort of a roundtable with Fiona the Floof Lady. It's going to be good. Talk about all of our tricks and tips for integrating pullets and new chickens into your flock. Yes. Cracking the eggs. We're going to go into a little bit of food history. We're going to talk about pasta dishes that use hard-boiled eggs. Oh, my God. My fave. Yeah. So we are going to see you next week. Have a great week. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day. Relax and kick and put your feet up. And don't forget. Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show so that we can bring you even more high-quality chicken content, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.